Hello, everybody. Welcome to Saints Radio. I am very happy to be able to be here and to be accompanied by Monica on this beautiful day in Dallas. Really is a nice day. It is. It's beautiful. Sunny. Must be what? 71 this afternoon, I think. I don't know. That's. Uh, I know I have uh, plans to play outside today with my granddaughters. And um, so uh, I don't know when the flip switch is going to flip here in Dallas. You never know. We could have a sleet storm next week for all we know. And um, I, uh, I just am thankful for the nice, uh, the nice weather here in this Thanksgiving week. Amen. Amen. Um, Thanksgiving is always a strange time. I was talking with Luke and Sylvie uh, on Monday about Thanksgiving, and I was reminding them of they had some American friends that worked at the nuclear power plant, and for I think a couple of years, they went there for uh, a turkey and the traditional American feast. Of course, at the at the power plant there, that's just on the Rhone. I think the turkey glows a little bit, but oh gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh my! I can remember being on the train coming into Montelamar and. You, you see, you're right beside the river there, and then all of a sudden you see the power plant with that big graffiti mural painted on one of them, and um, then come into that little station. But um, they got to spend Thanksgiving there, and of course I invited them to come here and enjoy it with us, which they would if they could. Yeah, I've done that many, many times with them. And I think that they've even celebrated with some of their friends. Well, I guess it is in Montelamar. They are still in Montelamar, but... Yeah, I was reading... This morning I was reading in First Chronicles, I believe, where David is... They just brought the ark into Jerusalem and the whole dancing and... He is, I guess, saying a prayer um, over what has just happened and giving the Lord thanks. And he uses the word Thanksgiving. And I clicked on that word. I mean, we've studied, you've taught, we've we've talked about this almost every year. But that that word was yada. And I just started reflecting on just, you know, what I'm thankful for. And I can just say that I'm so thankful that, first of all, to be able to 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 know him and to commune with him and to express praise and thanksgiving on behalf of just that, through that relationship and knowing him, but just that he extends his hand to us and allows us to walk this journey with him. Uh, it's just, it, to me, it's just incredible. And 
you know, I, at my house, and because and, we've been having Thanksgiving at my house for many years, and, you know, there's been years where just bringing all the the blended families together and even my parents who have been divorced and remarried and Les's parents who've been divorced and remarried, you know, and just bringing all of the, you know, the parents together after years of um, just transition and some easy, some hard. But I remember that first year where we had all of them together and I thought I'm going to sit them all at the table together <laughs> and 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 just really and I really prayed leading up to that not that we don't have like a peaceful family but I mean there's a lot of moving parts to it when you're when you come from a broken family or a broken home and um, and I remember praying leading up to that you know Lord I just I just ask you to bring them together and bring the families together and just let it be just your table and a, just a blessing to you and a time of peace and and I just supernatural I mean I just saw that supernaturally happen before me where all of my parents were sitting you know and my siblings sitting together at the table um, having worked through a lot of things over the years and I'm probably saying way too much but I'm just, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the opportunity to be able to host his presence and be that dwelling place of his manuka and welcome extended family in to come and sit at the table under that place of his presence and, and his rest and, and watch him move through. I mean, just having conversations with um, nieces and nephews that aren't necessarily walking with the Lord or or hungry, you know, and just seeing their hearts open up and having conversations at that table that ended up, you know, transforming their lives in some degree. So it's really a blessing. It's a lot of it's a lot of work, but it's an opportunity, I think, that we need to recognize that we have really the privilege of being being able to host his presence. That's what that's what it's about. It's about being that that place of his presence and then welcoming others in. So anyway, that's my story. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? But God knows. And I think through everything that we walk through, we just have to, to find that place of rest and and let everything that we do come from there. And I do know that that, to me, that's the greatest witness. That's the, the greatest way to be a witness because it has nothing to do with what I might say to them. It has everything to do with them stepping into an atmosphere of his glory and his presence. So that's, that's my prayer. And I'm done. Well, that's a good prayer. And it's different for everyone. I mean, I know it's different for you and your family because, I mean, you don't necessarily have extended family that come together. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't share the same faith as you do <laughs> regarding that thing. I know, but I, 
God's going to. I mean, it, that has happened where you've had to, to basically be that host at, at different junctures, whether it be a, yeah. a wedding or a funeral or something that you've had. That's true. And, and I do know that when they get in your presence, they sense his presence. And you may not even know the effect that's had. Well, it's, it's very interesting because especially when you, when you become, when you accept the calling that we've accepted as saints, um, you, you begin to recognize that there are many different levels. That's not a good word. There are many different types of Christians and they're, each type has a, a differing measure of pursuit of the Lord or what they feel is the acceptable relationship with the Lord. And um, it's, it's, very, it's very challenging to manage that mm-hmm. and to, especially as, as saints... Um, you know, we, we experience this in when we have the privilege of going to minister at a church, at a saints, saints gathering or being involved with our seminar, um, to where you can just speak the same spiritual meat and where you can just know that everybody there is operating in the same type of terminology or um, pathway. And um, it's, it's, a, it's, a different, it's a different thing. So, um, and it, of course, it, you can only imagine what Jesus must have faced. And, and even the Apostle Paul uttered, this a similar type of discussion if you're speaking like Jesus i mean you you can't do any better than that but there's a recognition that there are many things you'd like to say but you can't say them which is what Jesus said and it's the same thing that the apostle paul said and um and i you know i think that's one of the dimensions of thanks and thanksgiving that has really been standing out to me in these past couple of days because you have to be thankful for what God has done in you. And you have to be able to separate that feeling of uh, disappointment that you've not been able to reach further I mean, we would call it a hunger in a personal life. But when you look just in the scheme of things, you're thankful for where you've gone. But then there's there's a lot of reflection of, I don't want to say disappointment, I already have. But assessment that, gosh, if things had happened in this way, or if we would have been able to continue in this momentum, or if this had not happened. And so you have reflection of at least maybe I do this. Maybe it's just me. 
but missed opportunities. And and that, you know, you have to balance you have to balance the the essential measure of being appreciative for what the Father has given. But when you are asked to press the envelope in him and and you you go forward you have to those those initial points of aspiration and possibility uh, you you have to be willing to accept the fact that a lot of those at least in your perception did not materialize and so um but but what do you have and you know, and again, you go back to the illustration of Jesus. There are many things I'd like to say to you now, but you can't bear them. What did that mean? I mean, what what really did that mean? Those are Jesus' words. So we can't dismiss them as some screwed up psychological perspective. Um, how do you deal with things as a pneumaticos individual that you know, if you're just being honest about it, did not go all the way that you know the Spirit wanted it to go? How do you deal with that? Because the, the first thing for me is to think, and this I guess is a healthy thing, you could, you could go off and make it unhealthy, but Lord search me if there's something that I did or did not do that hindered that target goal. Forgive me and help me not to do it again. But then you also think, well, I'm, I was there. I watched this happened and that would, that didn't, that wasn't good. And that happened. And I still don't understand why that happened. And you have to process that because you can become, you can welcome in a spate of wrongful emotions that are attached to an accurate assessment. But but the main thing is, I guess, you have to view where was I before the Lord and where has he brought me? Because in the end, that's all you're going to have to answer for. Mm-hmm. And... But then while you're here on earth, you, you've got to work for the night's coming. And you can sit around all day saying, oh, you know, where was I? Where have I become? And not do anything. Um, and then in the New Testament, thanks is looking forward in grace. So you gauge where you've come in grace and you look forward to where God wants you to go in the new horizon. So all of those things play and God understands all those things because uh, other than, you know, I mentioned the one statement that Jesus made, he made lots of those kinds of statements. We probably didn't underline them in the Bible, but I have a feeling that Jesus being God who left his heavenly estate and came and dwelt among us, uh, he he, uh, he dealt with a lot of those types of things. He did it 
in the very best of ways, but, you know, and, and it, you know, it comes down to the thing of meditation. We like to say David meditated before the Lord, how wonderful that is. And then you consider that the same word was murmur. So there's a thin line between meditating and murmuring, if it's the same word. You know what I mean? It's okay to do one, but it is not okay to do the other. It seems to me that, yeah, it's kind of like handling a gun or handling uh, a high-powered vehicle or, you know, there's a right way to do it, but you can also go south with it real fast. Well, that's, that's why we have to continually be in that place of being sanctified from the inside. I mean, I, th- I think it comes down to... I mean, it sounds so simple, but I mean, it says Paul planted and Apollos watered and God brought the increase. And I think that we have to just make sure that, first of all, our heart is right before the Lord and our and we 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 be and we go. We're completely led of him and his spirit. And and we do according to how he leads us. But then it's up to him. I mean, we it's up to him to to change the heart of someone. And that's up to that person to open up their heart to receive. And so there's no, I mean, he's not going to override their will. And sometimes you just want to beat your head up against the wall. It's like, why, why are we doing this again? You know, I talk about my family. I mean, anyway. But, I, you know, when I think about just the whole yada and the whole Thanksgiving that is our life. Our life is taking the hand of our Father in something that looks so empty and impossible and in being and doing according to belief that He can make something out of the impossible or, or bring that miraculous whatever it is. And I just I just want to say that, I mean, I just enter into this with my hands lifted and just giving thanks, regardless of how it looks to me in the natural, or even—I mean, there was like two Thanksgiving, two Thanksgivings ago, where I could not believe what had happened. Familiar—I mean, just the conflict that happened at my table. With—I'm not even going to go into detail. It was just very painful and very difficult, and I thought, I—I—I I mean, I did not—I reacted because it was against me. And I reacted, and my daughter reacted on my behalf. And then I've got my sister sitting across the room, like, looking at me, like, with those eyes, like, Monica, you need to, you need to get in your, you know, you need to, to get in a sanctified place in this and keep your mouth shut. And that was the best advice. And then, of course, there was processing after, and the Lord brought resolution and restoration. But I digress here, but I just think... The hardest thing for us to do as sons and saints on this earth is deal with people. (laughs) I mean, to me, it just is. But, I mean, that's why we're here. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. You don't. And you don't know. you, You can't predict whether somebody is the same as they were 
a year ago. But see, that's not uh, that, that that that's their business before the Lord. The thing for us is, we can't get offended, because when you get offended, then you murmur. And I know I can tell you in that moment I was so offended, and rightfully so. But that's even rightfully so. It is not my right to be offended. What was it about murmuring? Now we. Can, uh, we can offer lots of suggestions here. What was it about murmuring that welcomed the the destroyer to destroy the people in the wilderness? What really was it that that brought that about? And and even when Moses was talking to the people who survived as the the next generation of the ones destroyed, he murmured. And even Elijah murmured. What? I think it's the. I, I think that there's something in us that, because we know that that what it does is it feeds that bitterness. And if there's any root in us at all, which would which would destroy any measure of grace that we could move forward in. I'm not answering your question. I mean, what brought the destroyer? But isn't that his intent? It's for us not yeah. to move forward in grace. And that murmuring, which breeds bitterness, which chokes through that root, the grace, there's, there's no going forward from that, which is thanksgiving. Hmm. <laughs> well, what's the power of meditation? Is meditation the same on as just thinking good, talks, good thoughts? It depends on who you're meditating. I mean, you think about how the enemy has used meditation. Well, yeah, that's true, I mean, if, if it's the same type of thing. To me, maybe it's where you're open to the spirit realm and you're, you're gaining insight. You're letting it, maybe it's the digestive process of the meat. I think you better just make sure what you're meditating, if you're meditating on the word. And it's revelatory. Yeah. And it's, it's words of grace. Yeah. So it's different than just thinking. I, oh, I know. if you leave it to your thinking, your thinking will be distracted into something that's not. Would meditation be those times that are God-inspired and the Spirit? We've entered into those zones where God is speaking and the angelic is speaking and you're, you're understanding things um, from the Word and those are powerful times. Those are more, to me, they're more potent than simple thought process. So what I'm saying is I'm wondering if meditation is not a breed of thought that's different than simple thinking and trying to process things because uh, I know, I know there are times where I'm thinking about things and I'm looking at the word, and then it's like the spirit opens a, a window, flips a switch, and suddenly everything's clear to me, and I'm thinking properly, and I'm gaining revelation, and it's just, it's like, you know, the old days, put on your thinking cap, you know? I don't think they say that anymore. Romper Room used to tell us to do that. Put on your thinking cap. Yeah, well, you were too much watching no, Captain Kangaroo, but the romper room. 
but you know i'm wondering whether meditation is not that that hyper measure of commune with god and and i'm wondering then if that is true that murmuring is either an invasion of that or it's it's participating in a a demonic moment of insight a demonic moment of trying to come in and corrupt a rhema maybe a maybe it's an evil rhema type of a thing where you know those fiery darts um and and if you if you engage in that if you elect to engage in that that welcomes a destructive power but then meditation on the other end if 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 murmuring welcomes the destroyer meditation true meditation in god should welcome the creator does that make sense so here how do you engage in a meditation moment? Do you sit cross-legged and put your fingers in a different mode and start saying, oh, oh, or do you put on the right kind of music and it kind of kicks the spiritual adrenaline and now you're thinking holy thoughts? Is it the right kind of coffee beforehand that you just like and everything's perfect, the perfect fragranted candle, you know, or the right brand of incense? Um, what what is it that initiates? Do you choose you this know. measure of meditation, or is it something that God's knocking on the door and okay, I'm going to meditate now? I have not studied this, so I don't know. Oh, I haven't either. All I can think about is just scriptures, and I don't even have one that I can quote. But I do know that the Bible talks about meditate upon His Word, night and day. You know, I know. So I would have to go back and do a little word study to see specifically what he how he commands us in the process of meditation so i'm not really um equipped i guess to talk about this from a biblical standpoint but i do know that to me whenever i think about meditating i it's like a focus it's i know that when god calls me to a moment of meditation or for a season or whatever it's 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 either on on a word on a scripture on something that he is highlighting and or just on him and i know that it it is it's like a, a discipline of my mind because our minds are so undisciplined in an unsanctified state i mean i so undisciplined and i know that how i mean how many times have we heard people testify about yeah i was in prayer you know, even in a diverse setting where you're in the middle of intercession and your mind starts wondering about what you're going to have for dinner, or, you know, those kinds of ridiculous thoughts. And and so to me, meditation is more is, is definitely something that is a, a disciplined focus, which I need. Um, like, for instance, I, I was asked to give a prophetic word not long ago and and. You know, I thought, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll chew on that for a couple of days. I'm sure God will give me a word by the time I have to have this meeting with this person. And, and, and the Lord said, no, now I want to speak to you now. And I knew right then I had to go into a time of, cause he just, it was just like a quickening. And so I just stopped and I just began, I mean, where do you start? You just start 
meditating on him, on who he is. And from there, he is the word. And then, and then, you know, a scripture will come or a principle, a spiritual principle or something like that. And, but to me, it's very much something that has to be disciplined. But maybe I don't understand meditation. It has nothing to do with a candle or the lighting or the, the music. To me, it would be more better, more better um, without music with lyrics. But because if I'm listening to a worship song and I'm just owning up to this, very often my train of thought starts following the lyrics, mm-hmm. which is good. I mean, that's why we listen to worship songs. It, 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 it focuses our attention on he that is worthy and, and, and it guides our prayer. That's why we listen to prayer during, listen to music during prayer. But for some people, that's very distracting. I mean, we have a woman here in our church that is incredibly distracted by the music and the lyrics and has to leave the sanctuary regularly because either she doesn't like it, her spirit doesn't agree with it, or the music, the, you know, the lyrics distract her. And, you know, I just have to respect that. So I'm, I'm, that's kind of a rabbit trail, but. Well, you know, that, that is interesting. I mean, we're talking about music and, um, you're right. I mean, it's helpful to usher us into a, a godly, uh, a godly atmosphere where you maybe separate yourself from the world or whatever. But I agree. I mean, it's, it's, I remember when we went over to LeBrun's church and we, there was that instrumental CD that was given to you. I just listened to that just the other day. And it was just instruments. And that really, now the Don Potter at the wall, some of those songs sounded more like elevator music to I me. I love that CD. That's well, I like it too, but a couple of them sound like, it just kind of makes me laugh. In fact, I remember the first time we heard it, I remember your sister bobbed up from the floor and looked at me with the biggest grin on her face and and I thought I thought, yeah, that that one's I can't remember that one song. I mean, it's just kind of funny. It's mm-hmm. a funny song. Anyway, I'm really taking us off the course here. But um, you know, can, well, okay, let's take it another in another direction. You can't really create a rhema moment. You can't. You can't create a Kairos moment. With music? Well, no. It's like I'm I'm trying to say that there's study of the word, there's spending time with God. Those are wonderful things. And those involve our thoughts and us supplying our mind. But what I'm thinking is that the kind of and there are several words translated as meditation in the Old Testament I just looked. So it's not a it's not a one size fits all just because it says meditate in the King James or NIV or fire Bible or whatever is there. It doesn't really mean the same thing. Is there a fire Bible? Yeah. Don't you remember that? That was all the rage a couple of years ago. No, that's a passion Bible. No, there's a fire Bible too. I've never heard of the fire Bible. I remember we bought fire Bibles for some of the kids that were graduating many years ago. Wow. Well, just this morning I read there, there's a, um, apologist, that I follow, that I have a lot of respect for. She's a woman, and I've shared some of the things with her, with you about her, about some of the, the progressive stuff. But 
um, she has a website and has podcasts and she was talking about just today about the different translations of the Bible and she was talking about you know saying be careful because um, and she listed several that the people that actually translate maybe the Tyndale that that the people that actually translated those Bibles are very you know they're scholars in the the languages and and they go back and they they trace the languages and it's it's basically saying that it's valid and then she brought up the Passion Bible and she said she quoted she she referenced the guy that that wrote the Passion Bible who has no experience in any of that it, it is basically his interpretation of scripture and I, I mean maybe not so much anymore but there when it first came out I mean everybody was quoting the Passion Bible because it was easy for them to read and understand they would read out of Song of Solomon or something like that and it just sounded like a fairy tale and granted I mean it, it is with the Lord but we just have to be super careful well, that it, when the <laughs> when the Living Bible first came out, she referenced that one. Too. That one was wacky. She referenced that one too, and it was she was just she wasn't criticizing; she was proving a point and saying, "Be careful," mm -hmm. because the word is under such attack right now, and you better just please be careful with what what you're taking in, right? Because you very well could be taking in the interpretation of somebody that has deceptive. An agenda. Intentions, yes. So, I, I didn't mean to get us off track. No, it's it's true. I mean, it's... Um, but I hadn't heard of the fire Bible. Oh, yeah, that was a big one. Um, but, you know, to me, maybe I need to delve into this. Because I, I think that, you know, if we think wrongly, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we recognize that thinking... And setting an agenda for your life can affect where you are. Mm -hmm. Same as things you you declare. And I'm very grateful, though, that... i got to watch how I say this. Uh, we've all said things that we shouldn't say. I don't think there's a person, except for the Lord, who said things that were always safe. Sometimes even muttering things when nobody's around. So we've all said, and I'm very thankful that God hasn't held me accountable for all those words. And and I'm sure that people who are listening would be thankful for that in their life. But then there are things that are more potent, prophetic words, or words that are launched in venom. And and those are those are different kind of words. So, it's it life and death and the power of the tongue. Um, I think it's a discipline thing, but I think there's a gradual, there's a graduated dimension of those things, just like there is in everything else. And so, but I know there's a difference, just in my life, between spending time studying the word or thinking about processing, putting things together, which has its own power with the Word. I know there's a difference between that and when the Spirit comes upon me. That's a colloquialism. 
But when, when there's a divine visitation and suddenly things are clear and it's like things are moving in hyperspace and you're gaining insight, you're gaining revelation and you think, why am, why am I not this way all the time? I wish I could be. And, and that presses the envelope of your ability to discern and those things you remember, sometimes you can recall that. It's like you, you can kick in. Um, you know, like it's like now, like I said, I was going to play with my granddaughters. My brain still thinks that I'm 17 years old. My brain kicks in, and I think that my body could do things the way I did them when I was really basically acting as an athlete when I was 17. And it, my body has not done that. So, but but I think in 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 those types of encounters with God you can press in and go deeper because you've had those encounters. But I know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that those meditations, it's even like in prayer. You know, Christians pray. I was watching, uh, I know you're going to find this funny for me, but I I was watching uh, a Bible study from Fox News. And because I thought they these women they get on there and they have these women, they have these Bible studies like the anchors and they interview like so I thought I've never watched that, so I'm going to watch one of them. So I turned it on today when I was studying and they were they were talking about the the, the book of Esther and for such a time as this and it was uh, Ainsley Ehrenhart and. Kaylee McEnany, both Christian women, and they're talking about the Bible. And I'm thinking, this is very good. I'm, I'm grateful. Like they were, she was saying how that um, Sarah Sanders, whose father was a pastor, um, um, she's running for governor, isn't she? Yeah, she is. But how they would have a prayer meeting before she'd go out to meet meet the press. Boy, did she need it. But then Kaylee McEnany would do the same thing. They would pray and study the word and pray before they went out to to deal with things. And so I'm watching this and I'm thinking, that that's really good. I'm grateful that these people love the Lord and and um but and again, to me that prayer that kind of praying is powerful, it's valid. But there's a difference between that and what we as saints would say is a prayer meeting. Now, I'm not saying one's better than another. I'm just saying they're, in, they're different varieties of prayer. And to me, like spending time in diversities of tongues and waiting on the Lord and, and uh, being directed to Scripture, God loves all of us. We're all Christians but there's a difference between those two environments, I would I would say. But I don't necessarily think that we should exclusively do one and not the other. Like, no, but where I'm going with this is I I think there's probably a difference between meditation that has the power to either propel you in grace or to welcome a destroyer. You're welcoming a destroyer. That's just not bad character flaws. 
that's an invitation for destructive power to come in. There's a difference between that kind of thing and simply quoting a scripture, as powerful as that may be. But it's, I don't know, I'm just, our chit-chat has just gone haywire today, hasn't it? It's just all over the map. And it's my fault. I'm the one that's leading us into these stratospheres of crazy talk. That's just crazy talk. But I just, I know that in, in Thanksgiving, what led us to this, you, you can either look forward or you can look back. In, a, in colloquialism of our language, Thanksgiving is looking at things that have happened or looking at where you are right now and just saying, I appreciate this, God. Thank you. Or looking from where you are, which I believe is the biblical framework of Thanksgiving is, as a platform of gratitude at what God has done and where he's positioned you to look forward in grace. And that's the thing that we should be doing all things with thanksgiving. We should always be pressing forward in grace. But I would dare say that most people at thanksgiving are saying, I appreciate the blessings you've given, which is wonderful. We need to do that. We should do more of that. But does that really have with it the idea of looking forward in grace to something that's not been done so there's all levels yeah and they're both necessary I think the Lord wants us to reflect on what he has done and I think that's a good foundation for going forward I mean I know that I've probably said to you more times than you want to hear me say just after after a journey after a conference after multiple you know multiple points of ministry on a trip or something like that i you know i i always had the tendency to i think we should celebrate the victories and your tendency was always looking forward okay so you're always looking forward i mean we could be planning a trip to be leaving the next day and whereas my focus is always been on that present moment your focus is already way out there. And you're saying, but we need to talk about this trip that's in three months. And I'm thinking, because I'm much more compartmentalized. And um, you're already thinking like seven steps ahead. <laughs> but that's what makes us unique, and that makes that's what makes yeah. us a good team. And I'm saying, but we need to, you know, can we please celebrate what God has just done? Because I think that's, to me, that's very important, that we give him just sufficient thanksgiving for what he just did for us. And yeah. what we witness, but also, you know, it's like the Sabbath. It's 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 the same principle. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Okay. Let's look at look. I agree with you. That's a, that's a good point. <laughs> because you've lived it with me so many times. Okay. Now, <laughs> Zechariah's New Testament. He and his old wife, and he's an old dude. They offered supplication long, long time ago, and suddenly God sends Gabriel on behalf of their supplication. And Zecharias, who was well aware of those supplications, he starts saying, how is this going to happen? And I think part of that is, well, we believed that a long time ago. 
or Why we're old. Need, we're old now. <laughs> you know, and he's processing these things. My wife is old. And Gabriel shuts his mouth and won't let him speak. Now, Moses, on the other hand, God told him to prophesy at the rock the second time. But instead of prophesying, he turns and what was he supposed to prophesy? See, we we know what he said that damned him, basically. You rebels, you ingrates, you know, here's your water, whack, whack. And the water comes out. What was he supposed to prophesy? To me, I think that's, both of those are indications of meditation versus welcoming the destroyer. To me, those are power moments that were different than any other at the doorstep of grace. To me, I I think. So what should Zechariah have said? Now, Mary, she said, according to your word, let it be unto me. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. I am a man of unclean lips. All he said was, yeah, I recognize that I'm really not where I'm supposed to be. He didn't mouth off about what, um, you know, Uzziah had done and the despicable condition of the people and how the the nation had gone haywire under the rule of Uzziah's son. He didn't say any of that stuff, and he could have. But what, what should... Probably Zechariah should have said... Whatever you say. Lord. Yeah, whatever you say. But what should Moses have said at the rock the second time? Yea, my people... <laughs> See the hand of God. Let the water spring forth. Yeah, I think it was more speaking into... Because you think about what water represents. They were thirsty. And and to me, it would be more addressing God's original intent for his people in relationship and through that relationship to go forward and move in the power to take dominion of the land. And rather than... You know, it's kind of like, and I know you may not agree with this, but I've always looked at the the concept of honor is, you know, the only way that, that sometimes we can honor our father and mother, like Scripture says, is to to honor them in the way, from the place that we know that God originally intended them to be, even though they may be heathens, is you have to be able to see them through God's eyes and what their original intent was for them. And when you honor them in that way, you're basically like calling forth their identity and who they're supposed to be. To me, that's that's the only way I can understand that commandment. Because how do you honor your father that's in prison for, you know, mm-hmm. never been a father to you, never been. And people struggle because they struggle with their heavenly father when their earthly father is a heathen. Anyway, so yeah. to me, it was more speaking into the rock what God's intention was for his people because his intentions for his people was to go take dominion of the earth right and rather than doing that he just you know he just basically cursed them and said what they what they were and the nat- you know how they were manifesting but that wasn't who God you know God made them to be and so that's how I always looked at it well you know that's that's a good that's a good assessment 
Yeah, I'm thinking about Jesus. It's always a good thing to do. <laughs> do you meditate on like that? when he <laughs> when he's at Lazarus tomb? And there's those professional mourners that are over there. And his friends have already, the women have already come out and said, you know what? If you'd been here, why? which is another way of saying, why weren't you here? And what did Jesus do? He groans in his spirit. Or when he looked out over Jerusalem and he says, you who killed the prophets. And then he wept. I mean... And and I wonder if that's part of what groanings that cannot be uttered is, is really for. Um, yeah, because, you know, and we talked about this on Sunday. I mean, God doesn't, he doesn't need us to express those things. He doesn't. And then sometimes I think expressing them from the, you know, from the carnality of our own emotion which sometimes maybe helps us, but it doesn't help the situation at all. You know what I mean? So it's so much more productive, I guess, in those situations, just in mourning or whatever, to groan. Because otherwise, you can take a path of welcoming. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I was just actually thinking a lot about that scripture um, just that, this last week when I was studying. Our groans and tears the fueling of the heart of God that that embraces the moment. See, we as apostolic people, we know the power of words, we know the power of diversities of tongues, we know the expression, but our groans and tears, things that bypass that to the essence, and that's really what you need to be doing because there is no expression that's acceptable when you see certain things. I, I don't know. I just, I, Jesus is our pattern. We're to be Christ-like. We're to be joint heirs with him. And how did he meditate? You know, he went off with his father. Whatever I see my father do, I do. Um, Jesus answered him not a word, even when he was at the, at the cross. Now, he, he spoke. To Pilate, you've spoken the truth. He he spoke to the thief on the cross. This day you were with me. I thirst. Epthatha. You know, he said those things. But for the most part, though, he was as a sheep before his shearers dumb. I, I guess I'm just trying. And why this is so important right now is that we are... We're in a very unique mode of transition. What we have to do before the Lord is new. And at those moments of transition, whether it's Elijah or Moses or Zechariah, you there's a this is a PowerPoint of contemplation in I know you have to choose your words very carefully, your expressions, even though your feelings and your assessments are pegging all kinds of things. And so it's a good thing for us to be thinking this kind of stuff because it's a moment that's not normal. 
And, you know, and again, I mean, God's been teaching us a lot of things. The pathway of revelation that he's given us um, has been really very, very deep recently. And, And I, like, you know, I see, for instance, what's happening in Brazil. And I also see something that the enemy is trying to do that is totally unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. Uh, Because I see it interrupting the base of our network in Sao Paulo, trying to interrupt a, a mother church there, trying to interrupt the 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 development of proper translation and the development of welcoming the message in, welcoming reaching out to a a group of pastors, dozens and dozens of churches. This one assignment that the enemy's trying right now that is a very painful thing is interrupting all of those things. And everything within me wants to be able to Go before the Lord and stop it. And I've tried. And he, God even gave me a vision, and I tried to minister that vision to someone that was key in that place. And when I got off the, the, the phone, I thought, Oh, Lord. But I see the enemy trying to work. And and we, this isn't the first time. We've seen this over and over again over the years, this type of battlefield strategy and how to arrive at that kind of divine moment where the the timing of the Lord and the right word is spoken, the wrong word isn't. I guess maybe what I'm saying is I'm thinking that God's trying to teach us about a very high-level moment of meditation. And you know that we're both going to study this a lot now because there's got to be a key in the Spirit. I think this is one of those moments where God is really speaking or trying to speak well, he's not trying to. He's trying to get us to hear him speak. Well, I think that's why I'm so hesitant <clears throat> to really even elaborate on my own opinion of it or what I think it is to be without actually looking in the Word because meditation has been used by the enemy for so many years. I don't want to assess or, to me, the, the safest thing that I can say is I know that I know that I know that he tells us to meditate on the Word. And if you're if you're meditating anything you know in any other way, other than with that as your foundation, just be careful. Because the the enemy, I mean, the mind is the battleground. And where do you meditate in your mind, or is it a spirit? I mean, I guess it's spiritual meditation. So you meditate from your spirit, but your mind has got to be in submission to that spirit of the Lord. Because there's too much, there's too much of that in the dark realm, mm-hmm. and 
there's a reason why the Lord's brought this up, I'm sure. Uh, so. Well, you know, it's interesting because I'm looking at the this main word, Hagah. And, um, you know, it's the book of the law, not to part out of my mouth, you meditate. And it, it's also used to, to mutter, to um, mourn, to roar, to speak perverseness. Is that H-A-G-A? Mm-hmm. So is it any way related to the hog? It may be. Well, it probably is. Saints. Yeah. But like David says, um, I remember the Lord in the night. That's one thing. I'm going to think about him and whatever and meditate on my bed. Two different things. So uh, for him, there was a difference between thinking about the Lord, thinking about the good things he's done and rehearsing scripture, but then going into that other mode. That's so interesting because just this morning when I was spending time with the Lord and I had to do my prayer earlier, I was in the Word and and I was in a psalm. I, no, I was in First Chronicles still. And, and, and he's talking about remember, remember my covenant. There's like three times where he says he gives a command to remember. It's the Word, the covenant. And I wrote in my journal to study, remember. <laughs> just, you know, because sometimes you'll be in the Word and the Lord will just kind of quicken something in you. You think, I really want to understand in fullness what that, mm-hmm. what that means for me, what, how I'm supposed to do this. So that was just this morning. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't even think about the meditate. Well, I'm looking at this... Uh... New International Dictionary, and it says that the 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 way the way this word became prominent, Haga? yeah, was in the the uh, refining of metal, and you're separating impurities from silver, which is holiness. Well, it's yeah, it's being tried by fire. I mean, it's isn't that the sanctification process through yeah, I, I'm just trying to find that link, that because I want I want it to be, hog, I want it to be. Welcome to our conversation. This is basically how we have conversations. Yeah, isn't this isn't this enlightening? This is how we do it. Um, but to me though, I I think it's just interesting that the the main word for either meditation or or murmuring gained its initiation among all the people groups through when you're refining something that's very precious over the fire and you are skimming away dross, which 10 minutes before was part of that metal. Which is something that is necessary for us. And then you take the fact that gold... The, the last element that comes out when gold is being really refined is silver, which is why silver is a lieutenant's color in this progression, the apostolic progression of faith. I know this is, this is mind-bending, but maybe our mind needs to be bent a little bit. Um, join us again next week. 
So uh, this program is now finished. It is finished. It is. It is finished. I do want to make one PSA, and that is that we're excited to have a new voices broadcast that I'm gonna I'm gonna upload onto Facebook this afternoon from our beloved pastor, Captain Sparrow, and his he's speaking on temperance. So don't miss that this afternoon. Temperance. Now, does that mean don't drink? It was a temperance movement. Don't drink, no smoke, don't hang with those that don't. <laughs> How does that go? <laughs> don't drink, don't chew, don't run don't with chew. those who do. Okay. <laughs> um, no. Wow. Well, we, we, okay, we'll look forward to hearing Pastor Larry. His, uh, he has a very calming effect on people. Yeah, he's, one time he did a Voices broadcast where he was literally like out on the water. He did it like he, he staged it, and so you could hear the, the, the calming of the water and the... It was very yes, on the flying buttress. It was very meditative. Yeah. Yeah. I I love Pastor Sparrow, Pastor Larry, and that whole family and whole church family. I love all of our saints' families. So when you're sitting at the table on Thanksgiving Day, make sure that you assess all the good things that the Lord has given you and the way he has brought you through. But then ask God, not necessarily when you're sitting at the table, ask God to take you into a a place in him where he can guide you into that next step of faith. And um, maybe grace needs to come under the fire of his spirit and there's some bitterness there it needs to be drossed out because that's a point of power for you and we all need that going forward yeah so if i'm at my table and it just becomes too much i may just say excuse me i'm going to meditate (laughs) that's right I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> yeah. And your mom will say, where's Monica? No, she'll forget. Yeah. <laughs> she went to meditate. Where's Monica? Still meditating. Oh. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Um, we love you. We bless you. Look forward to hearing Pastor Sparrow and uh, Wednesday Night Live tomorrow. Um, be blessed. And goodbye.